are going to die. At the end. Okay. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the, is this the second Tuesday of the month? I believe it is, which means it's time for episode four of Feeling Great with Lissa and Nate. They're also known as Raw Food Romance. And today they're going to show you how they grow and use microgreens and sprouts. Please welcome them to the show. Great to see you with your hair down. Oh, yes. I, I put my hair down just for you, Chef AJ. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I've never seen you, you know, I've known you, what, a couple of years now? And I never saw you. Kind of, you kind of look like a singer. I don't know why. You feel like you're going to start singing any minute. Really good. <laughs> so kind. I love it when she doesn't know that I'm like listening in, but she's just belting it out. Oh, you're too kind. Oh my gosh. All right. What, what, when you sing, Lissa, what is your genre usually? Mm. Um, Celine Dion or country? It's Celine Dion or country. Maybe some Kylie Minogue. Yeah, that's what I kind of see you as, as a country singer. You know, it's interesting, like kind of Shania Twainish. You know, it's interesting because yesterday we had Lauren Burnick with Plant Lace plant-based classics and she has hair like Sarah Jessica Parker and every month she's on they comment about how beautiful her hair is you're going to give her hair a run for her money <laughs> I love it it's raw vegan hair <laughs> that's hilarious all right well this topic is great because so many of the doctors are recommending sprouts and microgreens and you don't have to be raw to eat them everybody should eat them whatever even if they eat God forbid, you know, other foods that we don't mention on this show. So how easy it is to grow them. This, I bet it's a lot less expensive if people start doing it themselves. Absolutely. That's kind of what got us into getting set up and doing it ourselves is we started to add up how much we spent in one year, which was over $2,000 of sprouts, microgreens, and fermented foods, which fermented foods can be kind of expensive, like, you know, maybe a $10 a jar. So we just were like, man, we really need to start uh, learning how to grow these ourselves. So that way we can eat as much as we want. We don't have to be bound by how much money we can we need to spend on the weekend. Pull the peas down for a second. Yeah. So, so the peas, once you invest in the tray, then everything, the soil and the seed was $2, less than $2. And this, this like, when they're big, like these are a little dry out because we're going to show you what we do with them after. But this entire tray can like make massive amounts of salad yeah. and it's so nutrient dense for two bucks. And this would essentially, this entire tray would probably cost you about $20 mm -hmm. or more at a farmer's market or if you were to buy them at the store. So, and it's cool because you're putting your own energy into growing them, right? You play a little music in here, you give them some water. And it's just really fun to watch them grow. They grow so fast. And that, that's what I think is really cool too for like the kiddos. For those of you who have kids out there, uh, nieces and nephews, grandkids, whatever, this is a really fun thing to grow with your kids because kids' attention spans are kind of like adults nowadays, <laughs> pretty short. But you're basically being able to harvest within eight days to 10 days of planting. Some crops take a little bit more, like maybe 15 to 20 days, but that's about, that's a, the, the longest. Mm -hmm. Like cilantro. Cilantro yeah. takes about 20 days, 17 to 20 days, but these peas are ready to cut in eight to 10 days and you've got delicious food that you've grown. Mm -hmm. And then you can also rotate. 
So once you plant one, say on Monday, you plant a tray, then say maybe on Wednesday, you plant another tray of something different. And then on Friday, you plant a tray of something different. And then you just, every second day, you're planting a tray and every second day you've got stuff to harvest, right? Because it becomes like a rotation, yeah. which is really cool. You have like a sea of green. There's always something sea new. Sea of green. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's really cool too, um, with you know, growing them yourself is once you, like Lisa says, once you invest in a few of the things that you need, it's really cheap to buy seed and soil is very cheap as well. There's different kinds of soil. And that's kind of what I wanted to um, break down and show you guys today. We're going to go through a whole process and so we're going to cover the soil. And we're also going to show you different grow meetings that you can use. Uh, but essentially planting soil will work perfect. And for those of you who don't want to spend any money on any kind of trays in particular, we did a show on AJ um, not too long ago showing you how to grow in like recycled containers. This is an alfalfa container, alfalfa sprouts or clover sprouts or broccoli sprouts you get at the grocery store. You got holes underneath. It's got holes already in it because you need two trays to grow microgreens. You need the top tray, which holds, holds the soil and the seed, and that needs to have holes in it so it can kind of wick up some of the moisture from the bottom tray. The bottom tray has no holes. And this actually, I think we had some durian, oh, yeah, some frozen so durian. This is a really strong piece of plastic. So I'm like, look at there. There's a perfect little microgreen grow tray. You don't have to spend any money. This is just recycled material. Um, but of course, for Lissa and I, this would be enough for one person. And you know, you spend 10 days to grow this. That's why we ended up building the vertical rack, which tell her, tell them about this rack, babe. So this rack we got at Costco. I think it was a hundred bucks. And we got these, the liners. These liners are great. You can buy it on Amazon, I believe. Right. Um, oh, by the way, in the show notes, there is a link to something called the master list. That is a list of everything that we use from the dehydrator to our kitchen tools, to the books we like to read, to my skincare that I love, um, to the seeds, uh, like all the stuff, everything. anything that we really like to use is in that master list. So that link is in the show notes. If Which I'm actually going through right now, like uh, the last couple of days I've been going through it, just making sure everything's updated and looking good. And that isn't a, there's a lot of the stuff that uh, is in that list that we're affiliates with. So we do make a percentage if you do buy through our link, but yeah, like the spatulas, the silicone trays, like mm -hmm. everything that we really love and that we use a lot and we believe in is in that list. So like Liz is saying, we've got linked in there, this rack, Right, the which, lights, the lights, the liners, the timer. We didn't have these. These are great. Yeah, these sprouts. Um, these are little sprout setups. So check this out. This is really cute. And you can just set this right on your kitchen counter. It looks really nice. And you can see that the jar is on this little wire rack. So it holds it at an angle and it drains. And we're going to start some sprouts today together. I'll show you. But look at this is two days worth of mung bean sprouts, which we're going to use in a wrap. Oops, I just drove okay. So, but sprouts are also another really amazing thing. We keep these on the kitchen counter. Yeah. So when we wake up in the morning, go to get our morning water, we rinse our sprouts. It's just part of the habit of our morning routine. But what I was going to say, we should soak that. Let's do it. So the first thing we're going to do is what we like to use for our soil of choice is what we call cocoa core, right? So I've got also linked in the master list which if it's not updated, I'm working on today. So it should be there. Um, but the cocoa core is a really great grow medium. Like I said, you can use soil. And I'll show you after we get to the soaking because this comes in a brick, right? So look at here, we're gonna take our scissors, 
cut this open. This basically comes in a big brick and you have to just soak it. Um, and we can, you can order this right off of Amazon. You can get it actually at pet stores. You can get it at uh, Home Depot. And it's basically made for growing. This is coconut fiber. It's coconut fiber. And what's cool is when you buy the cocoa core that's made for growing, it's actually been triple washed. So there's not a lot of sodium in it, not a lot of salt. This is just ground up coconut uh, husk, coconut husk fiber. So we're going to have a real fun time expanding <laughs> this. So basically, we're doing this in our home office. And luckily, we have wood floors so I can sweep and keep this place clean. But what I like about using cocoa core is there's not, you're not bringing any other kind of pathogens in. There's nothing in this besides coconut fiber. So it's a really clean growing medium. We're not introducing any other things um, into the microgreen growing environment by using, say, like a planting soil or potting soil. Mm -hmm. But essentially, what we have to do <laughs> is normally I put this in a, uh, I've got like one of those Tupperwares you have at Home Depot, and I just put it in there and add water to it. But this will take a little bit, so we'll start adding some water to it and push it off to the side, and we can kind of go over some of the other grow mediums. So basically, now, like I said, I normally do this in a, in a bucket, a bigger tub, so it's a little easier. I don't have to, you know, I just wanted to do this up here to kind of show you guys. But we're going to just add some water to this. And this is just something that is going to take, we can get out 10 minutes or so, it might take a little longer considering that- You already see it. Yeah, you can kind of see it flaking off. So we're just going to expand this, and this is basically, gosh, you know, I don't know how many cubic feet or whatever that it produces, but it's basically enough to do probably about a good 30 or 40, 10 by 20 trays of microgreens. So, but yeah, you can see it expanding. So we'll just kind of let this soak here. We'll add some more water to it over a little bit of time. But that's essentially it. Now watch this here, see if I can get the light here, kind of shine, it just flakes off. Now I can't really see too well, but it's basically just flaking right off. So, you know, this is, and this is fun, especially like I said, if you've got kids, have them get their hands dirty. It's not like dirt, it's just coconut core fiber. On that while you show the other stuff. Okay, thank you. Ooh. Yeah. Isn't that fun? It is fun. So now there's other grow mediums you can use. This is basically, I feel like in a lot of ways, some of the best uh, soil to use if you're growing microgreens indoors. If you do have a garden, you can grow outdoors, then using soil and stuff is fine. But this stuff is really great. I know it's going to be like... <laughs> it's going to be messy. Like, like Nate said, we usually have like a big bin that we do this in. But for the purposes of the show... We're getting place messy. <laughs> so this is another grow medium. We bought this because we thought this is going to be great. It's, what I like about the cocoa core is it's really cheap to um, use for the grow medium. And this felt is also really cheap, maybe like 10 cents per tray that you're using for the, um, for the cost of the tray. But, oops. <laughs> Now we'll probably have to dump that in. I just wanted to give people the idea. Yeah. You can see how it's kind of breaking up. This, you know, down here in the bucket is just, it's all beautiful. It's dirt. It's dirt. So anyways, let me, uh, I shouldn't have touched that because now I'm going to touch this white felt. 
So this felt is another grow medium that you can use. And a lot of growers use something like this hydroponic grow. Hydroponic means growing plants without soil, right? So this works really well as, as well, but not as well as the um, cocoa core. So what you do is you just take your scissors for this kind of stuff, and you're just gonna cut a little section here. We're just gonna do a small tray. We'll plant one of these together. Now, of course, I'm not gonna be able to show you the end result because it's gonna take a few days, but I did start some microgreens the other day. So we're gonna take those out of germination. You can kind of see what that looks like. Where is it? Over here. All right, so what we have here is, these are really quality trays from Bootstrap Farmer. Now we've got two trays here. We've got a black one, as you can see, it's kind of perforated. It's got the holes in it. And this green tray has no holes. So we put these together and that's essentially what we're going to be filling up with this cocoa core. But you can just lay this felt down in there, right? You see that? That's real easy. Just cut the felt, lay the felt down and we can seed right here. And this basically the microgreen just needs a little bit of something for the root to grab onto. So there are some people who are selling like screens and I like the screen idea because you can reuse that screen over and over again. We haven't actually invested in any screens yet, but I do like that idea for certain varieties. Now for peas or sunflowers, they do best with soil. Let's grab another one of these. So what we'll do is now that we have this kind of dialed in, here, babe. I'll let you. All right. Actually, no, you're going to be making food. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get one of these trays prepared. We're just going to take some of this cocoa core and we're going to just toss it in here. And it's it's just fluffed up beautifully. Now you don't need a lot. That's another cool thing with microgreens, is you only need about a half an inch deep worth of actual soil. Now, after the grow, the hydroponic felt mats or any other kind of mats that you're using, they're really only good for the one grow. And that can be kind of considered a downside, right? Because you can only use it one time. But you think about how much you're actually spending on the soil when it's broke down. It's not very much. And you, if you have a garden, then you can use this in your compost just throw it out in your compost. So, but here we are, downtown Las Vegas, 21 floors up in the air. We don't have a garden, but we do have a garden. Check this baby out. All right, so how about, maybe I'll have you wait and see. Sure. Okay, so I'm gonna move this, this cocoa core, but you can see how this is basically breaking down really easily. Yeah, and in the big giant bin, we would just dump a bunch of water, let it kind of, Basically, just, just, yeah. Yeah. Basically, I throw that five-gallon bucket full just in the tub and then just let it sit and it just it just does its thing. A, a couple of questions. Is is the thing you were talking about called felt? And do you buy it on Amazon as well? Yeah, so look for um, and I'm not sure if I've got that put on my list, but I'm gonna put that in the master list as well. But if you were to look for hydroponic grow mats. That would probably be the best way or microgreen grow mats or microgreen felt or microgreen. Um, yeah, anything, any of those keywords and you should, it should pop up. 
but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I have that in the list. If not, though, I'm definitely putting it in today because that's the rest of my day is basically like refining and making sure that we have everything in that list. The felt is pretty cool, but I do feel, and it's a lot cleaner, a lot easier, but the yield is so different. It's almost... It's way better. It's it, worth it. It's, it's so almost double. It. Yeah. It's almost double. Okay, so we've got here our little scale out. Yeah, so we've got our scale out. We've got a little cup. Um, We're going to do some... Pair, so it's zero. So I've got um, in my course, I put... Um, that's also linked. Sprouts, sprouts, and microgreens. We've got the um, amount of seeds that you need for a 10 by 20 tray, one of these bigger trays. So you would just basically half it for this 10 by 10. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is we've got 20 grams. So this is going to weigh out about 10 or 11 grams. And this is purple kohlrabi. It's going to be beautiful. This is actually one of my favorite mm -hmm. microgreens. So the stem is purple, Chef AJ. It's, so it's purple. It is so cool. I love it. Hey, couple, couple more questions, guys. Uh, Karen says she wants to learn how to make broccoli sprouts. They say some seeds produce more sulforaphane. Sulforaphane, the anti-cancer chemical. Is that true? Do I need to seek out certain seeds? Just broccoli. That's yeah. a great question. Cruciferous is going to be higher in sulforaphane, but actually broccoli seeds, at the, I think it's like 24 to 48 hours once they become sprouts. That's when broccoli is at its peak for sulforaphane. So broccoli. Sprouts. Yeah. Broccoli sprouts are the best. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're getting seeds for sprouting. Um, different in a way than seeds that you would just buy to plant in your garden because they've gone through a different process because you're going to be actually eating the seed. They do, they test for pathogens and different bacteria. You're going to have a better germination rate. So, so go through a company that's trusted, say like True Leaf, which we do have linked in the show notes. There's other companies out there too, like Rainbow Heirloom and other uh, reputable seed companies that are creating seeds for sprouting specifically, sprouting in microgreens. Microgreens are a little different because you're cutting the microgreen, you're not eating the seed, but with sprouts, you're eating the seeds. So you want to make sure you're getting sprouting seeds. Mm -hmm. But yeah, broccoli is- And we're going to show how to make the broccoli sprouts at the end after we do all this. So I like to just measure in this little measuring cup. And then what we did was we kept a season jar. This is a nice glass seasoning jar. I think some everything but the bagel seasoning came in this. And it's got a lid that has holes in it so we can sprinkle the seeds more evenly. It makes it so nice to sow your seeds. So we're basically going to be just, I don't know if we can see here, if you guys can see, just sprinkle the seeds. You don't have to be real. I mean, it's nice if they're not all clumped up in one area, but these things, what's so cool with plants in general is it's, it's already written in the code for them to grow, right? They they will grow. It should turn off. So now that we have our, our soil in this here, as well as our seed, what we want to do is we want to give it a little misting of water. So you can use a squirt bottle or you can use something like this. Now we bought this for this grow room. This is basically just a, um, uh, a, a pump sprayer. So you pump it up and it pressurizes it. But I like it because it's easy. I don't have to sit there and squeeze back and forth. But basically, we're just going to give this a good mist of water. Now, this is the only water that it's going to get for the next three days while it's in germination. And so germination, 
You're basically just putting it in your closet or somewhere kind of dark if you can for about three days. Now, this is another trick that really works great is you take another tray. This one doesn't have any holes in it. And we're going to put this right on top, just like that. And this particular variety likes a little bit of weight on top. And so it really kind of, it makes the plant grow nice and strong. It's trying to push out of the soil and it's driving those roots deep in. So we're going to use a brick. This is a five pound brick. I think it's five, somewhere in there. And we're just going to set it really nicely in there. And now we will put this in the closet and not touch it for three days. Don't even take a peek. Because if you go and take a peek and you lift up one side, it's actually pushing all that weight and all that weight is bound onto the other side. So it can kind of damage your microbreeds. Just don't touch it for three days. This particular variety is fine in germination for three days. Cool. Yeah, let's bring out some of the other ones that we've already Love. done. Yes. This is really fun. It's really cool to take them out of germination. And Nate keeps all of the germinating ones in our closet. We've got a lot of stuff in our closet, like storage and everything. We try to make it work with the space that we do have. But these are microgreens that we planted three days ago. Well, let's see. I think it was Sunday. Sunday? So, so yeah. Sunday, Monday, here's Tuesday. Today's the third day. It probably would be best tomorrow, but we're going to take a peek and see what they look like. And what I'll do is let me just come over here and I'll get in a little closer for you so you can kind of see maybe what these look like. So here we go. We're going to pop the, the weighted tray and look at them. They are germinating beautifully, but they haven't really pressed up very tall. They would actually be fine to come out of germination today and they would they would do okay. But I think what we'll do is we'll let them go for another day. Okay. These are some radish. Right, so they are starting, but after today, by tomorrow, they should be good to go. But yeah, I wanted three days is really good. But I wanted to show you. So we've got these two. We've got some broccoli and some radish, and I've just got a jar of water for the weight right on top. This is so cool. So yeah, tomorrow we'll take them out of the closet and we'll put them under the lights so that they start to grow and. That is, our, <laughs> that is our state-of-the-art germination room. She said closet. That's not what it is. It's, it's like the germination closet. room. <laughs> okay, so basically, we like to buy seeds from different areas, and we put them sometimes in jars. We've got these other seeds here from True Leaf. We really like the True Leaf seeds. They've been running for a long time, and they're real consistent seed. And for the couple of years we've been growing microgreens, our germination rate has been amazing with these seeds. But we've got some radish in this jar, some broccoli in this jar. And what we have back here is a five-gallon bucket that we keep our seeds in, right? So basically, like in here, I've got all kinds of other seed variations, some carrot, some uh, super fruit mix, right? Some purple radish we've got here. Actually, I kind of wanted to plant some more purple radish, but we'll wait. So one of the jars, you know, like we use those for sprouts, so I keep those here. But this is a nice way to store your seeds. Just put them in a five-gallon bucket with a lid, right? Everything stays nice and dry. Mm -hmm. We also have a five-pound or how? I think five-gallon. Five-gallon. It's like of peas. It's like forty pounds. It's a it's a full five-gallon bucket full of peas because yeah. we eat a lot of peas. 
So what we'll do is we'll we'll get into that in a sec. But now that we've done, if there is any other questions, for sure, you know. Yeah. yeah there, well, there are questions. Uh, do I? Can I ask them? Sure, yeah. Great, because there's a few. I just don't like to interrupt. Connie says, sometimes my broccoli sprouts get a little fuzz on them before they are fully developed. Is that bold? Mold, not bold. That is very bold of them. I to wish do I would have kept these now when they were really cilia filled. So I'll look for the picture. Okay, so your sprouts, like these are the sprouts, and when they are thirsty, they create a lot of little root hairs called cilia hairs, and they look like mold, but they're not mold. It's, it just means that your sprouts are thirsty, or you need to rinse them a little more often. When radishes and broccoli tend to have way more cilia and than others, uh, mostly radish, I notice it mostly with radish, yeah. they're really thirsty. They like to be rinsed like three times a day. Um, but what I like to do is when I do rinse and drain my sprouts, I let it sit in the water for about a minute or two, just so that they all have a chance to kind of absorb. Like if you're just rinsing and draining, yeah, the cilia go away, but they're like, oh, we didn't have a chance to absorb as much water. So I like to let it sit. Um, Nate's got a good picture of the cilia. I don't so know look at here. See it. You can see here. Look at those. The, the hairs are just coming off the root looking for water. They're thirsty. So, but to the untrained eye, you could think, oh my gosh, my whole jar of sprouts is moldy like heck. That was a really beautiful um, Scylla hair, you know, image. So I did capture a few of those on the camera. Yeah, they're so, they're so pretty. So when you, when it's mold, it's going to be, it's going to look like a spider web, more like kind of everywhere yeah um, or it's going to be a different color like pink or green yeah blue um, or even black so if you look if you see a different color then it's probably mold but it's not very likely like we rarely i don't think i've seen mold on our sprouts and when i smell these sometimes they don't smell real appealing so some people have mentioned that too like oh my sprouts stink but that's actually the sulforaphane yeah. and the like the sulfur from the radish and the broccoli. So it might smell off, but it's actually the sprout. Like now, if it smells really off, if it smells, to tell. yeah, if it smells absolutely rotten, like funky, <laughs> which if you are following the steps of sprouting, which is very simple, we're going to go through it together here right now. It's really hard to mess them up. But the thing that I do is I just don't smell them very often because, you know, sometimes they are like, like okay. smelling these. I'm like, huh, could they smell a little, I mean, it's radish. They smell like radishes. <laughs> so they might smell, smell and it's concentrated, but like say like the monkey, no smell, lentils, oh, yeah. no smell. Um, but broccoli and radish tend to have a bit more smell. We don't do a lot of like clover and alfalfa. Um, we, I'd love to do alfalfa more often because mm -hmm. I love alfalfa. And you can get mixes too with like clover, alfalfa, and radish, and fenugreek, and like all different kinds in one. So, and they all sprout at the same time, pretty much. So to start some sprouts is very simple. We basically just take a, a clean mason jar, or if you get one of these little kits, it comes with the sprouting jar in it and a stainless steel mesh. Now, what's cool about these mesh is, like I said, they're stainless steel. They come with the, the actual mesh um, lid and then the stainless steel ring. So we really try to keep the rings, the original rings that came with 
the um, sprouting jar together because if you're using a ring off of a ball jar, it tends to rust. It's not stainless steel. So I really try to keep these together with the sprouting jar. But what's cool is you could take, say, um, some mesh from like an orange bag. Look at this. This We just bought some oranges and I just cut that section of the bag out that's a mesh, like lemons, limes, garlic. Onions. So, yeah, onions. So and then I just used a ring for the top to kind of hold the mesh on there. But that mesh is basically helping the seed not fall out when you rinse and drain. So we can start in, we could start in that tray or that jar. Let's share that. So you don't need any specific sprouting setup. You could just use an empty jar. Doesn't matter. Glass is best. With the whole thing? Or yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, ready? So we've got a half a cup of mung beans to go in the jar. Step one. Add your bean. Easy. Oh, did I bring water? Here I go. <laughs> oh, that's the good cooking water. Step two. Step two. Fill it with water so it goes well over the seed because the seed will expand. Step three. Step three. The lid back on. And step four, let it sit for 12 hours. Yeah, like eight to 12 hours. So essentially like we could drain these tonight before we go to bed, which we'll do because it's, you know, midday. That'll be plenty enough time for them to soak. We'll drain them. We'll rinse them with some water and drain it again. And then it'll go upside down or in a bowl. Say if you don't have a sprouting setup, you could just set your jar in a bowl. And that allows any water to drip out because you don't want to have your seeds sitting in water. That will, you know, rot your your sprouts. So that's it. We just sit the, you can start a couple before you're like, maybe you make tea or coffee or a smoothie in the morning. You can start your sprouts right away while you're making your smoothie. Uh, you know, maybe while your smoothie is blending. Sometimes I've done this. I'm blending the smoothie on the smoothie setting and I'll see if I can start two jars before my smoothie's even done blending. And I can't because it's that fast. You just toss some seed in, especially if you have your seed in an area where you know where it's at. It's easy to get to. Now, we didn't measure this out necessarily. So a lot of times we eyeball it. I did measure this out this morning. This is actually a half a cup worth of mung beans. And this was actually way more full. It was full right up to the top, like packed with radish. And I put two tablespoons of radish seeds in here. And it was the entire jar was full. It's so amazing. So you don't need a lot. It's very inexpensive to do this. And all you have to do is rinse it twice a day after it's soaked for 12 hours and you've got sprouts. Yeah. So say if you start before you go to bed, start your sprouts, soak them, right? Wake up in the morning, rinse and drain, let them put them on the rack or in the bowl. You do your thing all day long, go to work or, you know, whatever you do, go to school maybe. And then when you get home, rinse and drain them. Maybe put a little sticky note like right on your faucet or something, your sink uh, or on your fridge or whatever to remind yourself to rinse and drain again. You want to do it at least twice a day, morning and night. If you can do it three times a day, that's nice too. Especially for the ones that get thirsty, like the rat and the broccoli. Yeah. But essentially, mung beans and lentils, you can soak them overnight and you can start to you can start to eat them the very next day. Now these are only basically one day old. Today's the second day. Now you can see the um, the little uh, sprouts, the radicals coming out of the lentils. Now these are specific for sprouting 
because we're going to be ingesting the actual seed. So you want to be sure best, best practice is to buy lentils or mung beans that are meant for sprouting because like I said, they go through a different process. This is my favorite stage to eat lentils at too. So I good. love these added to like raw soups or like we're going to do later. Oh yeah. Gosh, that's gonna be so good. Okay. Okay. I so just I want to let you know a comment from Kathy. She said, based on your recommendation, she's using a repurposed salad con container and she's harvesting broccoli today because you showed last show how you could just use like anything to, to grow them. I love that. Now, what's her name, Kathy? Kathy. Yeah. Kathy. Kathy. Yeah, Kathy. Yeah, five, five, Kathy. Oh, I love it. You're doing it. She's it's so much fun. And Susanna, when you were showing the coconut fiber, she wanted to know, could you cut a chunk of the coconut fiber off the chunk if you wanted to do less? Yes. You, it's hard, but... You could, but what's really cool with cocoa core is I've had sometimes, like last summer, we were really busy and I had a bin down here. I've got just a bin that I put underneath this rack full of the cocoa core. And I also had some soil in another bin. And we left it for like over a month. I didn't even plant any microgreens. Now, when I opened up both those bins, the soil actually had a lot of white fuzzy mold all over the top of the soil because there's other, um, you know, what do you call it? Competitors or something in the soil, right? There's different things in there. The cocoa core was perfect. Didn't have any um, mold. And it was still somewhat moist because of, you know, how we have to expand it. But what's cool is you don't have to buy a brick that big. You can actually buy a brick like the brick we put on top of the microgreens, a little tiny brick. You can buy those at the pet stores because what they use them for is they use them for the terrariums for like geckos and iguanas. So you can buy it in a smaller amount. And I'll link that in the master list too. I'll put the sizes of the bricks. Um, and we've actually bought some of those smaller bricks. And it's great because they're only like this big, right? There's enough to do like maybe a few trays. Um, you can also buy cocoa core that's already fluffed in a bag. You don't have to uh, soak it with water. It's already ready to go. I like doing it with the water because you're adding water to it. And it, it holds the moisture. You know, you're not starting with something that's dry. So I do feel that there's a different outcome in a way starting it uh, from the brick. But yeah, you can buy it smaller. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Oh, okay. What are we doing next? What are we doing next? I wanted to show you. I wanted to show you here. Now these here are jars of microgreens that we couldn't finish. Like this here, we've got this tray of peas. I stopped watering this just a couple days ago. They're looking kind of sad right? But I'm not going to trash them. What we're going to do is we're going to cut these and we're going to put them on a dehydrator sheet, dehydrate them at a low temperature, like hundred degrees, and it's just blowing warm air over top. And then what do we do? Then we put them as they're dry. We put them into like a seed grinder. You could use a food processor, coffee grinder, coffee grinder, um, any kind of grinder. Um, I've heard people using the Vitamix too. Yeah. As long as it's completely dry, like your Vitamix has to be dry. Otherwise it's going to cake. Um, but yeah, you just grind it up into a powder and you've got microgreen powder and when it's dry you can actually take a big handful and yeah. scrunch it down and i like to use the coffee grinder because it, it gets it to like almost like a, a fine fine powder but this here is essentially almost one of these entire trays full of microgreen pea microgreen powder so some people buy pea protein powder 
like, here you go. There's your pea protein powder. You just grew it yourself. You dried it out and you're using the powder yourself. And another thing too is something that I keep in mind as a woman who needs like 18 milligrams of iron a day in my diet. And that's something that a lot of people worry about on a vegan diet is iron. Sunflower microgreens, one cup, like we're talking like not even not what much. would fit in this jar, a handful, like a nice handful of sunflower microgreens has six milligrams of iron in it. Incredible. So if you were to grow a tray of sunflower microgreens, and then you were to cut them and dry them on a tray and grind them into a powder, you could add like a teaspoon of powder to like a smoothie or a dressing or a soup, or you could even put it in the recipes for the wraps, which we'll talk about in a bit, yep. but you can get your iron from that. What's so cool is you can put microgreens or sprouts, dry them out, powder them up, and you can put it, like she says, put them in everything. Mm -hmm. Because essentially if we want to have like some good nutrients and good vitamins, why take a pill when you've grown this yourself? Put a little scoop in everything you're making and you're adding your vitamins to your food. Mmm, mm, they smell so good. Mm, it smells so fresh. fresh. Yeah, radish. So we had dried up some purple radish. Couldn't get, to, we were taking the trip, couldn't get to the tray before we left. So we just cut the tray and dehydrated it. So I'll show you kind of what we do to do that. So we've got the Excalibur dehydrator. Uh, which I really do love. And it, we're going to have the one tray with the mesh that comes on it. And then we're going to use a, another mesh that I took off of another tray to sandwich the microgreens in between. And then we'll use some forks on top to kind of weight it down when we slip it in the dehydrator. It's not going to blow off or anything. Yeah, because once they dry, they're super light. And because there's a fan packed dehydrator, it's blowing everything like there's microgreens all over the place. So that's why we like to put another tray on top just to keep them. How's our time, AJ? Are we looking okay? No, you're doing good. Let me let me get you a few more questions, though, if you don't mind, or comments. Linda says, I'm experimenting with organic cheesecloth as my sprouting medium to see if it's adequate for the tiny roots to grab onto to see if cheesecloth can be reused. Have you ever thought of that, Nate? Cheesecloth is a great option. See, now that's using your noodle. So you can use burlap. Like maybe you have... Um, oh, hemp. Hemp. Yeah. I'll show you some hemp trays here. Um, in just a moment, but you can use, there's jute, you could use a, a cotton t-shirt, like really you could use so many different things for the grow medium. So if you have the cheesecloth, great. The only thing is it's a little hard to reuse them. You can't reuse yeah. it. Not, what I didn't like about the cheesecloth idea is cheesecloth, cheesecloth is kind of expensive. And so I wanted to go with a, a cheap grow medium, but if you have some cheesecloth, then that's great. But burlap sacks, say like maybe your local coffee stand, maybe they get big bags of beans. A lot of times those beans come in burlap sacks. You can wash the burlap, get it nice and clean, kind of sterilize it in a sense through a wash, um, which, you know, I, I need to figure out exactly, I haven't done this, but I've got a friend who does this. He uses burlap and he cuts it to the size of the tray. Just a lot of work, but it's great because he's utilizing these empty burlap sacks, which would normally just be thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. So great, good, good job out there using the cheesecloth. Um, some people grow peas, which I've tried several times and I have not had any luck without any soil at all. Mm -hmm. they, like basically they put them on like a tree like this that has holes in it yeah. so that it can grow the roots through, but it's called, they just do better in the soil. It's called Crackty. <laughs> That's the name of the, 
the grow process, maybe it's the guy's name or something. I don't know the story, but I've tried like four different times and I have had zero luck. So I'm like, I'm not even going to mess with it because I'm wasting seed. It's they're, they're not growing. They're kind of rotting. So there we go. So I basically just cut down that tray. Like it's already so dry. Put them on, I know because I haven't watered them in two days because I was like, I'll save these for the show. So just put the sheet on top, put your forks on top or some kind of a weight, you know, just to kind of help it from not blowing off in the dehydrator. And then we just put that in the dehydrator for overnight, essentially, 100 degrees. Look, we can add this to the... Right. <laughs> and that way, nothing goes to waste. Because we can, you know, we can add that into... Like, I love how Luther was saying, you know, put it into the wraps. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, putting it into the wraps. So now, now, basically, we've got this 10 by 20 tray. I'll peel it up a little bit here for you. And kind of roll it back. This is incredible. Right? So there, basically... You could just roll that and put it into your compost. You can't reuse it. I mean, some people have said, yes. It's composted for like three months. Yeah, but even then, gosh, man, that's a lot of work to, to re it's great. I mean, for people who want to do that, it's great. But there can be some other problems because you can be introducing into your grow medium, your grow space, other bacteria and pathogens from it being composted, possibly with other things. And, you know, you've got to deal with all the seeds because all these pea seeds and really it's like maybe, maybe 35 to 40 cents worth of coconut core. So for me, it's just not worth it to try to reuse the grow medium. Um, that's just, that's just the part of the process of, of growing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we didn't, well, well go ahead. If there's more questions. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there are, there's a few more questions and comments. Susanna says, Nate makes it look so easy. I think this will give me the confidence by trying growing microgreens. And she wants to know, how do you keep track of everything that's on? Do you keep a list? Do you label them? A great, and a great question. So what I use is I use painter's tape, right? So I think it might be out in the kitchen. It's not a big deal. So the blue tape or the green tape, it's masking tape, but it's painter's tape. So what's cool with that is you can stick it on the stuff and it peels off real nice. It's painter's tape because painters use it to um, prep up the room and it's easy to peel off and it's not gonna peel off paint or anything like that. It's a nice tape. So what we do is we write down the date and the variety and I stick it right to the edge of the tray. If I'm doing a lot of trays, I'll put those in there in the, the state-of-the-art germination room, and I'm able to see what's what because it has the date and it has the variety. Mm -hmm. Now, these here are the hemp grow mats, and I want to tell you guys about this. See, there's white on the bottom, and it's hemp on the top. This is made from hemp uh, fiber. This is a, another great grow medium to start with. Very clean in a lot of ways. You just, the mats are pre-cut. You just Plop them down in the deal. Actually, what's really cool is we've got this thing called One Tray Away Challenge, and it starts May 1st. So the end of enrollment for One Tray Away is April 15th because what you get in that enrollment is he, Donnie, sends you two tray setups for free, right? It kind of comes along with the kit, and he sends you four grow mats, right? One for each tray setup, 
and then four packages of seed, two broccoli, two radish. So you can actually get four grows. You get this grow, harvest it, and then you get to do it again. And you're gonna do it with all of us. There's gonna be all kinds of different people in there, as well as Donnie um, has a business growing microgreens and selling them direct to customers. So he's also trying to teach you in this challenge how to set up your business and start selling microgreens because a, a rack like this, if it's done properly, can earn you anywhere from $300 to $1,000 per week, one rack. So that's pretty fabulous when you think about it. But of course, you know, it is a business. If you're running a business like that, there's a lot of moving parts to the business. And that's something that I don't specialize in, but Donnie does because he's been growing microgreens for his business um, for over six years. So these are the trays that you will be sent. Like I said, the hemp grow mats and then the seeds for the one tray away challenge. And that link is in the uh, show note description. So be sure to check that out. He's running it every other month throughout the entire year. So if you do miss this round, it's not a big deal. You can hop in on the next one, mm -hmm. but enrollment ends April 15th. Yeah, enrollment always ends about two weeks before the actual challenge starts because he wants to make sure that you get your trays and your seeds and everything. So check it out. The link is in the description box. It's called One Tray Away. One Tray Away Challenge. Yeah. And there's other really cool goodies in there too. And what's cool is it's a nice community. We're all growing together. We're sharing pictures in um, the Discord, which is kind of like an app to be able to text each other and check, you know, check on each other's stuff. And some people are starting their business and there's all kinds of old material in there so yeah be sure to check that out that's really fun mm -hmm. so what we have here is we've got the felt mat that we did let's real quick kind of soak this down do we want to do the, the radish or let's do the radish yeah okay we did the piano huh another one yeah so i'm just going to kind of moist moisten this uh this felt down a little bit and so the felt works cool, you know, I mean, we've done a few grows on it, but I kind of put it away because the coca core just works so much better. Oh, yes. Where is it? Can I put it away? Oh, yeah. right here. Here we go. Oh, okay. So we'll use, let's do like maybe 11 grams. 11, I like that number. 11 is a nice number. So... Yeah, it's nice to weigh it out because you're going to be the most efficient with your seed weighing it out. And then, of course, you know, each crop is nice and full. You don't have sporadic growth. You want to have nice, full crops. 11. Perfect. Oh, it's here. Oh, that's perfect. That's fine. Now, the biggest thing, you guys, is just to give it a go. You will realize I myself was really intimidated with microgreens because it's so much more involving than sprouts, but it's not really. A little dirt, a little seed, something to put it in, put it on the windowsill, done. Right? Like you don't have to have a rack with the lights and the you do twice a day. Yep. So you do have, we're have to show how to water. Yep, we'll do it with the with the uh the uh, chart. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just seed this tray real quick because I'd like to you know utilize this tray that we made with the felt. So we're just going to throw a radish on there. And there we go. We probably could have gone with just a smidge more, but it's not even that big of a deal. And then after you put it on, same thing. Just give it some water. Now, with the felt, I have found same thing. It's best just not to even mess with it. 
Some people like to mist their water greens or their water greens, their microgreens with water twice a day like this. This is way too much. You shouldn't give them that much when you mist them twice a day. But what I like is to be able to just set it and forget it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to put the other tray. So essentially three trays. The bottom has no holes. The one with the medium and the seed has the holes. And then this top tray is going to go on top here. And we'll put this in the grow room with a little weight on top as well. So easy. For the germination. And then look at these beauties. This is charred. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, you know, so, um, Sherry is asking, how many trays can you stack on top of each other? That's a great question. You can stack eight to 10 trays on top of each other, especially if they're similar varieties that require a weight. And what I do, I didn't make up a big tray is I've got some of these paving stones, right? These are like maybe a couple dollars at your local hardware store, 15 pound stone. And what you do is you put that right on top of the tray for the weight. And those little tiny plants will push this up and push all the trays up. You could stack, yeah, six to eight different trays on top of each other. It's incredible to see how these guys can push up 15 pounds of cement. Yeah. It's insane. They, Love it. Yeah, and like Lissa showed you, you get the light there. It's really tri tricky to see, but look at the color of these charts. All those anthocyanins. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so basically, here's the process. In the morning, I like to water on this particular bench not the rack because my my um i do end up having a couple drizzle drops and i don't want it to drop on the floor so i just put my water up here this is first thing in the morning after i feed the cats they eat first and you just give the tray about a cup of water i've got the measuring cup so each tray gets about a cup when it's a 10 by 20 tray if it's a 10 by 10 it might be a little less you can you'll get to know your crops what crops like a bit more water and which ones don't necessarily mind a lot of water. And then you can kind of tilt it around just enough to kind of, you don't want to overwater and you don't want to underwater, but you know, you'll tell, you'll be able to tell if you've overwatered or underwater, they'll just lay over. Mm -hmm. They'll just lay over whether they have too much water or too little water, but when they're just right, they'll just be perky and looking, looking beautiful. And so that's it. Basically, just a little bit of water, set it on the rack, and you're done. So I do the same thing before you go to bed. Yeah, same thing. Before you brush your teeth. Actually, <laughs> it is best if they're um, getting water around the time that you eat dinner. You know, so they have time to kind of process that water. They're not watering right before they go to sleep. Now, I have these lights actually turning off at midnight. So if we did water them at 8, they have four hours under light before they're actually going to sleep. Um, but yeah, twice a day. So your sprouts and your microgreens get watered twice a day, but you're using very little sprouts. You just rinse and drain microgreens, a cup of water, basically, you know, three quarters, of a cup of water, just lift it up, pour it in, boom, put it back on the shelf. If you're doing in some of these recycled ones, you wouldn't even need to lift up the thing. You could just add a little water to it. And you don't want to add too much though, because yeah, like a quarter cup. Yeah, it's just a little bit, or even those, like even just a couple of tablespoons. Yeah, tablespoons. So that's how that's how quick and easy it is. And then you're growing fresh food. And what's so fun is, you know, listen, I like to come in here at night, 
dinner time and we'll, oh, yeah. we'll lay out a spread right here on this you know deal on this tray and like, we'll, which ones do we want tonight we'll cut fresh <laughs> microgreens these ones here are garlic chives and these garlic chives actually grow back after you cut them but they don't grow back as thick but you can actually get two cuttings off of the garlic chives some of these other ones they just i mean they might grow a little bit like i see these beets here or these chards, a few of them you can see on the one end have kind of grown back. Not a lot, but they will kind of grow back a little bit. These are really delicious. Mm -hmm. now, these are some of my favorites. And these take a little bit different technique. You want to seed and you want to add just a tiny thin layer of soil on top of the seed. And then these do take a little bit longer, maybe like five days in germination, which in my course, or you can look this up on YouTube as well, how to do specific varieties, right? But yeah, that's the that's the ticket is just to get going because you'll realize how fun and addicting it is. And the easiest ones to start with are broccoli, radish, and peas. Yeah, those are the easiest ones. They're pretty foolproof. Yeah. So and that purple yeah. Vienna, oh, the chlorabi. I'm really impressed with how that crop. That's actually one of my favorite crops now, aside from say like the red garlic amaranth, mm. which is like hot pink. And of course, you know, these colors, like in say culinary arts, like they use just a little sprinkle of microgreens on a dish and it looks gourmet, right? So of course we want our food to look good. We eat with our eyes. And, but now we're like, you know, handfuls of <laughs> microgreens on our salads. Speaking of, so let's do it. We should do our wrap here. I love it. Um, so one of the ways that we really like to use our microgreens obviously is to put on our salads, but I've been working on a very special new ebook that's coming soon, like very, 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 very soon, guys. So check out our social media. We're going to be sharing about it really soon. I figured out a way to make raw vegan wraps. Now, this wrap has been sitting kind of on, it's been like we've been peeling it and playing with it. This is a, a kind of a test wrap. We wanted to see how long they last after we dehydrate them. And this it's been about two weeks. Yeah, it's been about two, yeah, it's two almost weeks. Almost two weeks that it's been on here and it's still really pliable. The edges are a little crispy, but we wanted to use it for the show to show you guys. When they're fresh out of the dehydrator, they're really nice and soft and the other side is nice and tacky. It makes the most amazing wraps. I'm so really good. excited to share this new book with you guys. And, with, and her recipes, all of these recipes you can toss yes. some fresh or powdered microgreens into the recipe mm -hmm. so you're getting extra vegetables so they're a fruit vegetable base they have omega-3 essential fatty acids and they're a great source of fiber so what we do is normally when you're making these fresh obviously it's you're going to peel it off but we've been peeling this so we're going to peel the rest of this wrap off mm two weeks old yeah so this wrap is now two weeks old and Check now these, these silicone trays are key yeah. to making the wrap and we have these linked as well in the master list um i think it's like 12 dollars for four of them and these work great and what you want to do is when lissa's book comes out is you want to grab that book because she has cracked the code on how to make these wraps absolutely perfect every single time and I got to taste every single one which you made, <laughs> which which was amazing. Let me tell you. Thank you. So wow. yeah, so these wraps are absolutely amazing, and 
they're a great way to get more fruits and vegetables in when you get bored of like salads. Or what do we call them? Call them hand salads. Hand salads. That's actually the name of my new book coming out. There's so many. Yeah. That sounds amazing. There's so many delicious ingredients in the wrap itself, as well as what you're maybe blending up into for the, the dipping sauce, as well as what you're maybe putting into the food processor or blender for, you know, depending on what the recipe is to put in the inside, um, as well as all the fresh vegetables that you're putting in it. So it is, it is literally a hand salad. It's wrapped up <laughs> salad, just in a different, you're, if that's what's so fun with raw food, I feel like in a lot of ways is you're just trying to figure out creative ways to blend and process the food into different, um, digestible, so what I'm doing is I like to, um, especially this wrap because it's been two weeks, it's been two weeks. Um, and it's still really good, but I just want to put a little extra sauce. I love to put the sauce on first, just a little bit though. Um, you don't want to over sauce it because then it will get, I mean, it's just like a regular wrap. If you over sauce it, then it's going to be over sauced. So we've got some arugula here. Mm. And actually, let's start out with the um, lettuce. I like to put a barrier of dry lettuce on the wrap itself. So if you're using ingredients like tomatoes or cucumbers um, or anything that's like kind of more wet, a barrier of lettuce is really nice to help. Just it helps kind of protect the wrap a little bit more. Plus the lettuce in the wrap is just oh, okay. delicious. This is the salad part. And after... The uh, lettuce, maybe after the cabbage, even. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get some arugula on here. Oh, man. These are going to be. So, this is a two week old wrap. Yeah, I can't believe how might awesome be, it is. Might be kind of gross thinking about it, but I mean, it's just it's dehydrated. That's fine. So, we've got our arugula, and then we'll put a little cabbage. The dry ingredients actually hold up pretty well. Once the wraps have been fully wrapped and they're ready to go, actually, could you grab a sheet, a deli sheet? Once they've been wrapped and everything, you've got about three days to eat it. At, on day four, it's kind of like, eh, just like a regular wrap would be kind of like soggy and not so great. The lettuce wilts and stuff. So I say three days. So if you made them on Sunday, you could wrap them already for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday lunch, and then you could do the same on Wednesday. You could do it for Thursday and Friday. You have wraps every day for lunch. So here we go. And we test it out, like she said, how long they actually last. And if you don't eat it by the third day, it is it is not as appetizing on the fourth mm -hmm. day. Yeah. But second day, delicious. Of oh course, gosh, yeah. you know, fresh, fresh is best. So let's add some stuff. So I really like using this kind of a knife, a nice straight blade for cutting the microgreens. You can use scissors, but if you're say selling microgreens, um, it kind of bruises when you actually do the cut with scissors. And that's not as nice of a look of the end product. So we don't sell these, but we want it to look good. And these are what the pros use. So I just want to be like a pro. So I'm going to look, because sometimes the, the uh, chard and the beet, sometimes they might have a little seed hole kind of just attached to it. And they're kind of a hard seed hole. You don't want to be biting into them. So I'm just going to double check to make sure there are any seed holes, which it looks like we're doing pretty good. 
Seed hope. That's a new one for me. Hey, a uh, question from Michelle. Why did you decide to put your shelf where it is currently versus another location? Like, there's a few more questions after that, if you don't mind. Okay. The microgreen shelf? Space. Yeah, we just don't have very much space. We do have nice big windows in the place, and we could just put it like right in front of the window out in the living room would be the best because it goes all the way, the windows go to the floor. But that would obstruct our view of the beautiful city that we have to look at. Because we live on the 21st floor, so we've got a beautiful view. Oh, it's amazing. So that's where we put it in here. This is this is our office, essentially, or this is where the guests would sleep if they uh, <laughs> if they come over. And we actually, this is on wheels. So we rolled this out and we have a special place that we'll put it in the living room um, when friends come over, because basically we put a bed right here. So, because this thing just, like I said, it's on wheels, it just rolls around. But that's why we put it here, just a safe space. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, do you, how close do you live to the strip? We're about 15. Yeah, 15 I mean, minutes. We, we we do live like across the street from Fremont. So we're, I mean, we're right, we live on the boulevard. And we're right downtown. Not yeah. on the, so there's the strip. And then there's a big stretch between the strip and then the old original Vegas, which is they call downtown, like the Golden Nugget. And um, so that's where we're at. We're, we're downtown. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's about 15 minute drive or about a 30, 30 minute walk. And we're right on the strip. Mm -hmm but we walk kind of fast. <laughs> cool. So, Here's, let, let, me, let me catch a few more questions if you don't mind. Vicki yeah. says, what about small bugs seen in the dirt? Mm, that's a great question. So with the Copa core, I have not had one bug in here. I have never seen. I've never seen bugs. Bug in. <laughs> no bugs. No bugs. Coco core is like next level. Now, if we did have you know, other plants in our house, or we don't have any fruit flies here either. Um, we do keep our place kind of cool, like, you know, around 65 at night. And because, uh, you know, you sleep better when it's a little colder, you sleep deeper. And then we keep it around 70 degrees throughout the day. But we have no fruit flies and we have no gnats or any kind of bugs in here at all. But if you do have issues with some bugs, what you can get is you can get like, um, it's, I'm not exactly sure the name of it, but it's a yellow sticky paper. Right, it's kind of like a fly trap style paper, and you could put the yellow attracts those little gnats, those little bugs, and you can just kind of hang it from somewhere in your in your grow space. Sometimes people use those in their outdoor gardens to kind of catch, um, you know, some of those bugs, which you know is kind of a bummer in a way because they're just trying to do their thing, right? But yeah, we don't have any issues with with any bugs, luckily. And of yeah. course, if you're using the grow mediums, the different hydroponic grow mediums, you're really not going to have any issues because you're not introducing any other kind of things into your yeah, like the hemp. Yeah, or the hemp, yeah. yeah, or the, you know, the felt, but it's really the soils, the potting soils mm -hmm. and the planting mixes, I feel like, because there's a lot of different composted material in there and there could be, you know, different larvae and stuff in that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Karen says, I live in South Florida, which is a humid environment. I would be growing them inside with the air conditioner. Are there any extra concerns of mold if you live in a humid place? And Serenity says, I also the concerns with humidity because she's in Hawaii. And then John wants to know what about lighting? And uh, yeah, a few more questions after that. Okay. So the humidity, that can be an issue. And what you can do is you can get, of course, a little thermometer, right? We've got a little thermometer here that tells the temp and the humidity percentage. We've got 36% humidity in here, 74 degrees on this rack. So that's kind of nice to know. And if you do have... Oh, 
a lot. Yeah, you can have some air circulation in your grow space, like an oscillating fan. We've got like some computer fans up here. Just I strap them to the rack. It kind of blows some air across the, um, the, the, the shelf. But you can also get a dehumidifier, and a dehumidifier can really help too. But they'll be fine even up to like 60% humidity in the room. So I bet they'll be fine, you know, because really they grow great in the same kind of environment that we enjoy being in, which is around 72 degrees, right? <laughs> so, but 60, 60%, maybe even 65% humidity, and they should still be pretty good but if you you're a lot of water them a little less yeah maybe a yeah. little less water definitely but if you're getting up to 80 percent humidity in your growth space you might want to look into investing in a uh, a dehumidifier you know and you know yeah so but yeah just get something like this a little thermometer this is also in the master list um if this is really helpful you know exactly what your growth space right here what the plants are breathing what is the you know the environment like over here and then the lights the lights really you could use any kind of light in a lot of ways now there's sun blasters and there's specific lights that are great for grow uh growing microgreens and getting a good yield but i started off with some shop lights i had some big shop lights that just kind of daisy chained together i got from costco but they hung down kind of low on the rack and so let me turn these off. I'll turn these off so you can kind of see. This is the light. It's an LED light. Doesn't it's not hot, and it's about the it's about as big around as a a nickel, right? So it's not very big. And then of course it's got the ballast right under it, which is you know a little bit bigger. But I'm able to strap those right to the rack. So that's what we use here. But you could use any kind of light, even a desk light. Really what works best is natural light. So if you've got a space where you could grow near a window, the microgreens that I grow on the windowsill, I, I swear they grow better than they do under these lights because they're getting the natural light. And it's not even direct sunlight. So windowsills work great. Or if you have any kind of um, natural light, they'll do great with light. The only reason that I did this is because we wanted to just kind of see what we were able to you know, produce um, for ourselves. and. The space, this is a little bit further away from the window, so it wouldn't be enough light over here. But um, I have linked in the master list, as well as everything's linked in my course as well, the lights that I use, they're Barina LED lights, and a lot of growers use them, uh, but there are other growers that swear by sun blasters, but these actually have a longer lifespan, but the sun blaster gives it a better spectrum, right, to try to mimic the sun. Yeah. So it's really hard to, you know, I mean, unless you're you're really growing professionally and you want to get the, the maximum yield. You know, I know friends who use um, shop lights, these Barina lights, as well as the sun blasters. And I don't know, just kind of asking them questions. It's really hard to tell how much difference it is. Yeah. Terrific. And um, let's see. Lisa says she came in late. What's the difference between sprouting on trays versus jars? Okay, so that's a great question. Go ahead. You want to answer? So um, we don't sprout on trays, but you can totally sprout on trays. And these are actually for sprouting. Yeah, they're for sprouting. The cool thing about trays is that, I mean, they're just another option. We like the jars because, I mean, we've been doing it with the jars for so long, but trays are awesome. You can even have like a big bowl and use a metal strainer. Yeah, like, like a, a sieve. The whole goal is to have the water be able to drain off the seed yeah. until you're ready to rinse them again. They're a little harder to rinse 
in the tray unless you just took the tray off and like rinsed it in the sink like this and then right. put it back on the tray what i did was i used that squirt right. and i just would mist them and these trays are kind of cool because there's a pretty good gap in between the two trays so it's enough for the water to drain off but yeah so these trays are actually meant for sprouting just like you know you'd be sprouting in a jar right but essentially you're sprouting in the tray. So this, they're not sitting in water and then this, they're not sitting in water. Yeah, so, so, but that's really, I mean, it doesn't really matter as long as you get sprouting. As that's long as you get something to Just do. get sprouting. <laughs> I have had friends that just sprout in like a noodle strainer or a sieve, you know, like a metal sieve. And those work fine too. I've right? people who sprout in, in nut milk bags too. Right, <laughs> milk. As long as the water can drain off, yeah. they're good, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. Terrific. And here's one from Nurse Sandy. Can I use the mung bean and lentil beans I bought for cooking for sprouting? They are organic. Yeah, go ahead, babe. I probably, I mean, you can just with a warning, be aware that they're not tested for pathogens because the bulk bin stuff that you're using for cooking, they assume you're going to cook them, right? So but if it's organic, it's it probably could, in a bag. Yeah, it could be in a bag. But like you're saying, they still plan on you cooking them yeah so right. it's always best to get seeds that are meant for sprouting plus the yield is better because you're getting the cream of the crop yeah. seeds as opposed to the ones that cook because they obviously you're not going to be sprouting them they hope anyways because they're just going to cook them yeah. so they're not going to give you like the best seeds the best seeds are for the sprouting yeah so the germination rate might not be as mm -hmm. as great with the ones out of the bag but we have sprouted bulk mung beans and bulk lentils before not organic and they did sprout so you can actually do that but you know when you think about yeah the, the pathogen aspect best practice it is a bit more money to buy uh, mung beans or lentils or radish or anything like that's meant for sprouting but you can though yeah you can you can sprout any seed <laughs> it really doesn't matter except for red kidney there you go you don't, do not want to sprout, don't sprout the red kidney because they have um um a uh, compound in them that actually isn't good for them. I can't remember, remember, either. Can't remember either, but red kidney is kind of off. The you can sprout them, but then you want to cook them. Those yeah, are the ones those you want to cook 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Here's another question. How long did you say they sit in the water initially from Karen? Overnight, overnight, eight to eight to twelve, eight ten, twelve hours right in there. Overnight. We've even had them soaking for like twenty four hours before yeah, right. <laughs> before we start because if we forget, yeah. Um, so you can start before bed, soak them before bed, or you can soak them in first thing in the morning and then drain them that night. Mm -hmm. So basically, just you know, yeah, eight to twelve hours that works best. Terrific. I think I've got to all the questions. This was a very interesting show. You know, I, I got a couple of years ago, I got a sprouting jars from Elspeth from the Speedy Vegan and I used them, but then I just, you know, I got out of the habit and it just seemed so hard after a while. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, what's hard is remembering. Yeah. That's the hard part. Cause really, I mean, like it's to so rinse and drain is not hard. Yeah. It's remembering to do it. Because then if you forget, That's they it. dry out or whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, and then you, it feels overwhelming. What's cool is like, we've got these little setups, which I really like these. Lisa got these for Christmas. So I was using a dish rack and we would have the, you know, jars on a special dish, dish rack um, that, you know, that worked great. We could, we could put like eight jars on it. And these only hold two, but what's so nice is I have it right on the kitchen counter right behind the faucet so it's looking at me every day 
every time I go to the sink and we toss them, we just grab them, sprinkle it on a salad, boom, good to go. After we like to sprout these to where they don't actually start growing green leaves, mm-hmm. you know, where they're more like a be- like a bean. This is like a, you know, it's a lentil. So right now we can actually take this and put it in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Or these ones. Yep. These and the radish, we just the, the radish we took out of the fridge this morning because after where when you want them to stop essentially or really, really slow the growth, toss them in the fridge, keep that mesh lid on the top. Yeah, usually after three days. And just eat them. Eat them. That's don't let like. them sit. Don't see how long they can go for. They'll last like a good four days, maybe five. But you think if you're buying sprouts at the store, just like any perishable thing, it's going to go funky within the next few days. So eat them. That's the biggest thing is make sure you eat them. And one of the great ways to eat them is to put them in the wrap. So we've got the mung beans. Mung beans. And we're going to put these beautiful purple radishes in here too. And you can just load it up. Where look at here. We can even we can even throw a little microgreen powder in here. Yeah. And we've got we've got fresh um swiss chard microgreens we've got fresh radish sprouts fresh mung bean sprouts and dried microgreen powder in here along with arugula cabbage and lettuce as well as the sauce look at this it's so let me good. see if i can yeah i wish you guys can see this and smell this look at this deliciousness and it's like a huge mouth and it's just living food the cool thing about these wraps is you can fit a lot in them. I know that there are some like commercial wraps that you can buy. They're really small. Like you really can't get a lot in them. So you have to eat more of them. Whereas these wraps that are coming soon in my recipe book, they're like, I mean, phrase like 13 and a half by 13 and a half. So you can get a lot, get a lot in these. So I'm going to pour a little bit of sauce. Oh my gosh. And just imagine what you can put in a wrap. You can put so many things in a wrap. Yeah. And now this is how I wrap them. Number one. Here, let me see. We can have a little better view here. Oh, yeah. I'll pull this down just a smidge. Actually, what I'll do is I'll yep. grab this. I'm close in. Let's get that. Okay. So here we have the wrap. I bring, now again, this wrap is like two weeks old. So the edges are a little crusty. So, <laughs> um, but we pull the wrap sides the corners in and then we pull up the bottom and again it's drier because it's a little older yeah it's two weeks old so, but you could always store them in like a um because <laughs> it's older wrap yeah. but essentially the new the ones oh yeah they're fresh they are so pliable they actually stretch yeah and they and don't you can tear like, you can like squeeze it in too with the new ones they don't tear but this is actually not bad for, a knife. for an, uh, a two-week old wrap that's just been sitting on our table it's really not bad <laughs> and then we'll just cut this here it's kind of like toasted wrap yeah toasted wrap Woo-hoo! look at that beautiful God, it looks like a restaurant <laughs> oh my gosh you cannot get this kind of stuff mm. in a restaurant why don't you guys open one because then we wouldn't be able to have so much fun we'd be working at the restaurant all the time um got some more questions lynn says are the sprout seeds for broccoli for eating direct from the jar different than the sprout seeds for growing microgreens and or the broccoli plant mm, that's a great question you know, the ones that you're going to buy, say, through True Leaf, 
can be for sprouting in a jar or growing microgreens or growing in a plant. Um, but the ones you buy at the grocery store, like say, if you know, those little uh, kiosks that are, you know, when it's like right now, they, a lot of stores have the seeds out. Those seeds you can still use for sprouting and growing microgreens or planting in your garden. They're meant for planting in your garden. But the thing that I would be a little bit hesitant or a little more apprehensive is using them for the jar sprouts because you're actually eating the seed. With the microgreen and growing the fully mature um, you know, vegetable or a fruit or whatever it is you're going to be growing, you're not eating the seed. So that's the part that's kind of interesting. I haven't done extensive research, but the research that I have done, it's like, okay, I don't want to eat seeds that aren't meant for sprouting because there can be a little bit more potential for, um, you know, it's really less germination, better, you know, not as good of a germination rate. The sprouts that actually have problems in the stores because they've had recalls and stuff from sprouts, a lot of times the sprouts are just old. They're starting to, to degrade because Mother Nature, she knows best, right? She will take back what you don't use. And so if you don't, they're perishable. You don't use these things in, in the amount of time, then yeah, they're, they're going to rot. And another thing to keep in mind is cross-contamination. Mm. So if there's any animal products near where you're rinsing, there can be a cross-contamination there. Um, I mean, we are a vegan home, so there's no, like, we don't, we don't chop animal products on our cutting boards or in our jars and everything. So there's no cross-contamination. But if you do live in a home where there are animal products being used, you have to take extra precaution, sterilize your jars and sterilize everything so that you don't have that cross-contamination. Yeah. But that's another reason why things like lettuce um, get recalled because the lettuce farm is using water that has E. coli contamination. Right. So it's not the lettuce's fault. It's right. the water that's being used on the lettuce and then people get sick and then they do the big recalls and then people are scared of lettuce, but it's actually not the lettuce's fault. Right. It's the cross-contamination in the soil that's mostly to blame yeah. for that. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. But my suggestion would be just get sprouting no matter what. Like you're not, you're. I, I would like to say you're not going to get sick from eating seeds that aren't specific for sprouting because I for years didn't buy sprouting seeds. I was just sprouting from bulk and, you know, I was using seeds that we bought to plant. But when you're using them for sprouting um, and growing microgreens, you're using a lot more seed because you're you're sowing your seed differently than you would in a crop where you're using just maybe like two or three seeds because hopefully one of them is going to come out and be alive, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And truly, I mean, just go to True Leaf. We have the link in the show notes. I love True Leaf. True Leaf, you just get anything from True Leaf. It's organic. And organic. It's all heirloom. Amazing. Yeah. 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 It's pretty trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, they've been around for a really long time, like a good, you know, three decades or more or something. Mums sprouting seeds in Canada for the Canadians who are watching. Mums is Mums. really, really good. Yeah. You can buy pretty much anything from them. I guess anything from them. And it's good for sprouting microgreens. I would love to go visit one of these seed uh, mm. companies in the future to see like the process. Because man, like what kind of magical systems do they have going on to, be... to get all the seeds? Yeah, and sometimes there's seeds you can't get. They're out of stock. Like uh, the Red Garden Amaranth, who truly was out, I was scouring the internet and nobody had it. So I was like, wow, like it's incredible how, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes seeds might not be. Miss uh, the Amaranth. Right, me too. We need to stock up when it comes back. <laughs> Here's a question about the water from Daria. Are you using filtered water? If so, which water filtration system do you use? What we use is we use 
um, a reverse osmosis system, right? So we just got it at Costco, super easy to install. Um, and yeah, we just use that reverse osmosis. So basically this bucket here is what I use for the watering. And I just take this out to the kitchen, oh, right. I just take that out to the kitchen, fill it up with some reverse osmosis. And then what I'll do um, is I'll add to this bucket some ocean solution, which is basically adding minerals to the water because there's no food. I mean, they're only under the lights out of the germination room under the lights for maybe like four to five days, six days at most. So I don't fertilize with any kind of um, food or anything for the plant, but I do use a tablespoon per gallon of water or one ounce per gallon of water of the ocean solution. And I'll add that to this fresh water. So they do actually get a little bit of extra mineral boost, but honestly, like side by side, it's hard to tell the difference with this ocean solution and without the ocean solution. Mm -hmm. But the yeah. product may be tested in a lab might have a little bit right. higher. And, content, and but a lot of times these things, excuse me, they'll grow just fine with tap water, depending on where you live. Like, you know, if you've got really funky tap water, I know people that just use garden hoses in their, um, in their grow operation. And it's really interesting because it would be really cool to see the studies. Like, what is it like if you grow with this particular medium and you're watering with this particular water, what does the final product actually have within the plant? as opposed to if you're growing with say tap water, like our water here, it's very calcified. It's very, it's hard water. It leaves water spots like on your glass, right? So we don't drink it because we don't want to be drinking all of that extra, you know, minerals and calcium. Like maybe it's not the best for us. And of course there's controversial topics about reverse osmosis not being the healthiest for us as well, because it's removing everything. But that's what we use. We use the reverse osmosis for the plants for us to drink as well as for our cats. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And here's a question. Uh, oh, they're such a good looking couple. They are the Ken and Barbie of the raw world. That's uh, adorable. Yeah. And, uh, there's a question, how do you store the seeds long-term? That's a great question. So what we do is we buy the seeds and I have this five gallon bucket that I put them in, right? So. You can buy these buckets, different stores. We got it at Winco, which is so cool. I love, we got actually both this, the watering bucket and this bucket, because it's got the screw on lid. And I just store them all in this bucket. Some people use a Tupperware. You know, a Tupperware is nice with like maybe a drawer and you can put them in there. That way they're all together and they're nice and dry. And uh, yeah, works perfect. Or you can store them in mason jars. We've got Ooh, and you can also store them with a vacuum lid. Oh, that's a for great. even extra freshness. Yeah. Like suck out all the air. The vacuum lids again in the master list. Oof. Everything's in the that's master cool. list. <laughs> the vacuum lids are yeah next, next level. level. And so when you're done with the wrap, we we have these deli papers because we did used to have a raw vegan catering delivery service, like a salad delivery service. So we had like extra boxes and um, wrappers from those days. Um, so you just like, we just like to wrap it up. And look at there, you've got your delicious raw vegan lunch full of living foods. And what I use, this is the painter's tape. I grabbed this, it was out in the kitchen. You can use a little painter's tape, you know, right on there, what it is and the date, and then stick that on your, your thing, pack it up for lunch. Look, you've got a fresh wrap for lunch. 
and it's not looking all weird and super healthy because it's in the deli wrap. So when you're opening it, people might not even know that you're eating something absolutely incredibly healthy. Yeah. So good. I do want to. Yeah. Here's a question from Lisa. Nate, have you sprouted arugula? It's my understanding they have to be sprouted differently than broccoli and other seeds. Hmm. That's a great question. I have not sprouted arugula. I have grown arugula microgreens though, um, but I have not sprouted them. Sorry, I had to take a bite. It's so good. It smells so good. Connie wants to know, can the wraps be made in an oven or only in a dehydrator? These wraps are formulated for dehydrator because we don't use an oven. We actually don't cook any of our food. So these wraps specifically for the dehydrator, I have no idea what temperature you could bake them at, how long, I don't know any of that because again, we're raw foodies, so we use the dehydrator. I'm sure you could figure it out. The temperature yeah. is 115 Fahrenheit um, and it takes about 12 to 16 hours. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on the humidity level of your house. Mm. Depends on how many things you have in the dehydrator. The more stuff you have in it, the longer everything takes to dehydrate. Depends on how thick you make them. It, it, there's a few factors, but it's like anywhere between 12 and 16, sometimes more hours. If you have more stuff in there, it's going to take a little longer. But if you're just doing like two or three trays, then maybe 12 to 16 hours. I think it's great to have uh, to invest in a dehydrator, no matter what kind of diet you mm -hmm. follow, because a dehydrator can be really fun for a lot of different things, especially if you have kids or grandkids. You can make apple chips and banana cinnamon rolls. You can dehydrate the microgreens. You could take you could take these wraps right here, blend up like all kinds of delicious fruits, strawberries, blueberries, maybe a, a banana, pour it in there and make a fruit leather, right? A, a fruit wrap. Oh my gosh, there's so many things you can do with a dehydrator. And like, you don't have to be raw to enjoy the raw wraps. Like yeah. if you have a dehydrator, make the raw wraps. You can put like crispy tofu in there. Mm -hmm. You can put rice thing or like whatever you want to put in there. Yeah. Obviously we do raw food. So yeah. we've got raw food. We make raw burger patties. What's cool is they're gluten-free. Yeah. For pretty much fat-free. There's a little chia in them. But, and of course this one here is two weeks old. So oh. it's got a little crisp and cool. I like that crunch. It sounds cool. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think you're raw foodies. I think you're raw cuties, <laughs> but you are both. Okay. Terrific. Um, Lyndon says, I love Lissa's raw food app. It's beautiful. Maybe you can talk about that. And then there's also a question. Do you grow year round? Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about the wrap or the app. Mm -hmm. um, thank you very much. I'm so glad that you love the app. Yes. The so app is um, almost two years old now. We we launched it right before we moved to Vegas. So it's about two, almost a year and a half old. It's a web-based meal planning app. So it's $5 a month or it's $50 a year, whichever, if you pay for the year, every year you pay for it, you get two months free, obviously. So you, it does cost a little bit for me, each user. So that's why I try to keep it as low as possible. Um, but you get new recipes every month. I add about six recipes every month to the app. It's breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and they're all one serving. So it's not like wrap recipes or burger recipes. It's like salads, smoothies, things that would be for one person for one serving for Soup. one meal. Soups. Yeah. I've got some soups in there too. So you basically log in and 
the app generates a five-day meal plan for you, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for five days. And from that list, it creates a grocery list so that you could go shopping and buy everything you need to make those five days worth of meals. You can add day six and seven. There's an option to do that, but we didn't have it automatically generate because it's hard to buy enough food for like seven days raw because stuff goes bad. So five days tends to be a pretty good amount of time. But yeah, it's a, it's a great way to have some more recipes and to learn how to plan your day. So you can access that. Again, it's $5 a month or $50 a year at rawfoodromance.com. Mm. And that's where you go. You put the website in, log in, and you get your meal plan, your recipes. It's, it's really cool. Calorie breakdown too. Yeah, there's calorie breakdown. It shows like your fat percentage for like whatever the app chooses for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It has like on the top like fat percentage, calories, and then you can adjust based on what you need, right? Like if you need to have 2,300 calories a day, you can swap out different recipes. You can always add snacks in your own like life. Like you, we know that a banana is hundred calories and an apple is about hundred calories. So if the day is like 2,100 and you need 2,200, add an apple or whatever. Like the, it's, it's basically just to help you plan and it gives you more recipe ideas. So rawfoodromance.com. It is the coolest thing because it generates the shopping list. Mm -hmm. That can be the biggest thing. You're like, okay, great. This is a nice recipe. What do I need to to okay? I need to make a list. Okay, what's in it? It Just takes for a meal plan. It takes the thinking out mm -hmm. of it for you. Like, man, it is an I love, I, I would have loved this right mm -hmm. when I first started going, because I was luckily Lissa, I got her meal plan one and she also had generated in there. Um, a shopping list. And that was one of the really big things that kind of drew me to buy her book is because I was like, wow, I'm here's all the spices that I need. Here's the tools that I need. And here's the shopping list. How could I fail if I just literally follow the steps? Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the other question was, do we grow your end? Yeah. And so what's cool with say growing vertically and indoors, the temperature is all always basically the same so yeah, we grow year round. We've been growing all winter long. Uh, this summer, we'll bring a bunch of trays with us camping. Like we have a really awesome camp trip uh, headed, you know, kind of in the middle of the summer. We're going to go visit uh, Lissa's dad up in Yellowstone. So we're going to bring like five, six trays of fully ready living microgreens. And we have a nice little table. We'll put them on right in our camp spot. We can cut fresh microgreens. <laughs> And we like to go all out for a country. It makes great content <laughs> and it's a good conversation starter. And also to show people like, look how easy it is. And we're bringing living foods with us. This is fresh. You can't get any fresher. We're cutting it right there. <laughs> Another cool thing about the app is any one of those recipes, you can add sprouts mm -hmm. and microgreens too. And it's not going to really mess up, you know, your calorie count necessarily because there's not a lot of calories. It's going to add nutrition. Maybe in sprouts like lentils and mung beans, there's a bit Protein. more calories. But yeah, you're going to get mm -hmm. those good nutrients. Okay. So Apple likes that your app is, is a web-based because she doesn't have a mobile phone. And Marlary says, this is super interesting. She appreciates the talk today. She loves to sprout. Mm, love it. So good. They're so fresh. For all the sprouters out there. Anytime we go to a farmer's market and we see somebody selling sprouts, like fresh sprouts, we always go over there and buy some, mm -hmm. as well as microgreens. Sometimes I want to support the people, the growers, and the different farmers. We'll go buy microgreens from them. It's good. Hopefully all the people that bought the bundle realize that the course is in there and they actually have the course so they could just start using it. Mm. Correct. Mm. Correct. That's one of the cool things about buying bundles. And there's always a bundle somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Like 
there might be some coming up, but um, <laughs> um, every bundle has new cool things in it. And the last bundle that we had in February, so if you got the Ultimate Vegan Health and Weight Loss Bundle, Nate's course on how to grow sprouts, um, microgreens, microgreens and, and, and fermented foods. Now, this is the thing. If you guys got the bundle, you want to make sure that you download that stuff as soon as possible, mm -hmm. put it in a separate file because you only have a year to download those. But yeah, I've got a full video course in there showing you how to grow about 10 different varieties from, from seed to harvest. Um, and I still haven't put in the recipe segment showing you. I was kind of waiting for us to do the wraps because I really want, I love microgreens and wraps like stuffed in some, you know, some uh, like nori rolls and, mm -hmm. but so there's going to be some other updates coming to the app and, or to the, to the course. And if you have the course, you're going to get any of the newer um, up, updates or, or different versions that I may be, uh, you know, putting in there. And if you didn't get the bundle, you can still get his course. The link is in the show notes and you can get 40% off the course if you use code rawfood40. Mm -hmm. So if you did still want to get it, the link is down there. You can grab it and learn from Nate. <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't even get into the fermented foods, but fermented foods are also really beneficial for us. Good for our gut. Maybe you can do some of those next time or mm -hmm. in another show. Let's I make some sauerkraut and kimchi next mm -hmm. time. That's yes, so good. It's a or something for Mother's Day, because you're coming on, I think, the week, when, the week before Mother's Day. I'm not sure, but that would be cool. That so, would be really cool. Uh, the, they're asking where to get, where they can get your wrap book. <gasps> well, the wrap book is not ready yet, but soon. And when I say soon, a couple weeks. I just have to finish inputting some of the photographs. I have to do like the table of contents and edit it and like make sure all the margins are right and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be available soon. Uh, please follow my social media at Rockwood Romance. You can um, follow me all over on YouTube. Lissa's Rockwood Romance because when it's ready, you'll know. I'll be sharing about it oh like all the time. So it's almost ready. I'm very, very excited to share it. And this is going to be, in my opinion, probably like, of course, you know, anything that you do here and now is always the best. <laughs> and I feel like this is going to be like her best book out of like the 500 books that you've read. No. <laughs> oh my God. It's like next level. But also, for those wondering, Normally, like I release it in digital form first. So that's going to be released in the next couple of weeks, digital format. And then we're going to work on getting it in print on Amazon, probably in the summertime. So if you did want to get a print version, those will be later summer-ish. Um, but the digital version will be ready in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is terrific. So uh, Lyndon says, I hope you'll mention to Nate that I loved his bundle course on microgreens. I'm all in with the microgreens and sprouting now. Oh, I love it. That is so good to hear. I'm hoping that it just helps people, you know, get out and, and start sprouting and start growing microgreens more because they're so delicious and they're so much fun. So I'm really glad to hear that it's helped you and, and that you're, and you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it. It's <laughs> awesome. Adding more is, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you guys get inspired to start eating more raw food, to start sprouting, start growing your own stuff wherever you can, mm -hmm. um, and just having fun with it. And yeah. not to be strict or whatever. Fun like, with it. Having fun. What's well, so cool when she was making the book, like she was making all these recipes, we're taking all the pictures, and I, like I said, I got to eat everything. <laughs> um, 
I'm blending up stuff and she's blending up stuff. And I'm just like looking at the counter, like look at all this real food. It's just whole food. It's fresh. It's whole. It's, it's amazing. And we're making it into these delicious meals. These wraps, of course, you know, with the soft drizzle, we took these hiking with us, put in a little Tupperware, and we sat up on top of a mountain looking down at Vegas, and we're just like eating these raw wraps. I'm like, oh, people only knew. It is so fun to take these hiking or camping or on road trips or or like, like you make them for work or for your kids' lunches. Like, What's cool is you know what goes in it. Mm -hmm. There's no salt. There's no oil. The only sugar that's in it is natural sugar from dates you know and they're not fruits yeah they're not really a sweet wrap oh my gosh i cannot wait <laughs> i can't wait for people to get that book mm -hmm. it's it, coming soon it's going to change the game i really that feel like it's fantastic uh apple says i uh, nate's book dude food is awesome too all their books are fantastic i personally like the ice cream book and i keep saying you got to make it for the ninja creamy but they were oh man yeah, yeah well, that's on my list. That's on my list. We've got like five years worth of things that we, we want to produce. Okay. But yeah, Ninja Creamy, we got to get an Ninja Creamy. And since you told me too to ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you right for the show. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> Ninja Creamy. Ninja Creamy would definitely be a lot easier because making it in the Vitamix or a food processor is a bit more involving. Vitamix, of course, you're having to put a little bit of strength in. So say someone who doesn't, you know, have like a lot of uh, strength to, you know, push the bananas down. It's it's a little bit harder than just say throwing the, I love that. that yeah. Food. And also it's going to be more scoopable, I think, and not, you know, I think easier to scoop, but I think that'd be amazing if you, cause then it would be like a new book. If you redid the recipes just specifically for the Ninja Creamy and maybe added a few. Well, plus yeah. like we're also, uh, working on one, you know, it's like kind of on, you know, the, the 12th burner back. It's like way back in the back burner, which is um, a banana free uh, nice cream book, you know, so there'll be some higher fat stuff in there. There'll be like a lot of sorbets, a lot of fruit based, uh, you know, creams. But, but yeah, because there's some, I've had a lot of people say, can you make one without bananas? Because, you know, basically everything in that nice cream book is all banana based. But there's some people who have allergies to bananas. That's crazy. I uh, bananas are awesome. I, I feel really bad for those individuals. My yeah, gosh. Mostly histamine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, histamine issues yeah. with bananas. But my problem with bananas is they ripen so darn fast and I don't like them real sweet. I like them sweet if I'm doing baking or ice cream, but for eating, I don't like them sweet. And it's like you buy them and it's like the next day, oh my God, what happened overnight? I know. That's what they're like avocados. And that's that's what we love. We'll buy like so many of them. We've got one of these kinds of racks in the kitchen, it's just a small shelf, and we'll stock it up because we always like to keep the banana, the frozen bananas on rotation. Mm -hmm. And I like having gallon-sized bags full of frozen bananas because we know we make a banana ice cream probably almost every day. Yeah, exactly. They get with that's what would be so cool. For, I mean, for whoever may be listening to this, like we need drive-through nice cream stands. Like maybe somebody could invest, it's been kind of a dream of mine, like to put together a nice cream stand. Cause imagine all these grocery stores that are tossing all these bananas that are perfect to be able to start freezing for banana ice cream. And then you're just, you have drive-through banana ice cream, healthy ice cream, drive-through, oh, one of these days. 
one of these days. I got to do it. I got to put that drive through together. <laughs> I would rather have the drive through, I feel like, than the restaurant. The restaurant would be really fun, but. Well, you know, Pinkberry, which is not vegan, they do have one flavor of a fruit sweetened non-dairy and it's good, but it's like, you know, it's like seven bucks and it's, you know, it would be, it's only one flavor. So that would be so cool. Oh, Susanna has mentioned that Chef AJ and Lissa just finished an amazing four weeks course called Make It Raw, Make It Cook. It was so fun and she learned a lot. And we're going to repeat that. We're going to do new classes together. But guys, get on one of our lists because we are going to repeat it because people really loved it. And Marlary's saying a food truck, uh, an ice cream, uh, an ice cream food truck. That would be amazing, of That'd course. So cool. Oh, my gosh. Playing the music going up and down. But then you have to make the night. You'd be like, hold on, I'll make your ice cream real quick. You know, the kids, you know, they want their popsicle or whatever. You know, I'm Nice yeah. truck when I was a kid. That was the best sound in the world. <laughs> yep. uh, John is saying, can you use a sun oven? Mm. You could um, use a sun oven. Yep. Um, you would just need enough space uh, big enough for those trays and you could totally use those trays on mm. it. Um, yeah. That'd I be a cool. I know I thought like we need to try this summer, mm -hmm. um, you know, see if we can dehydrate one up on the terrace. Or right. <laughs> Here in the summertime, so it's like perfect to hydrate your temperature right. weather. <laughs> we get a little of that Vegas particulates. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, the wraps are fun. Um, Definitely. but again, they are obviously better when they're right out of the hydrator. Yeah. So yeah, this one like a week, like seven days. They're really we still didn't have nice, any fresh but... ones, so we used the old one. I know it would have been cool to see the close up of the fresh one because you can see how pliable. Like when she rolls it and pulls it back, like it stretches, it doesn't tear. And actually, in the book that I'm releasing in a couple of weeks with the wraps, I recorded a whole video. It's about a 27 minute video showing um typical like issues with wraps like because we didn't do wraps i've been raw for almost nine years I've tried like a half dozen times yeah. every time i'm like Ugh. i know and i've tried so many times too and when i did a poll on my instagram asking people what they wanted to see next from me overwhelmingly they wanted wraps and i was like ah i i don't like making wraps because they always get like super crusty on the edge and the center isn't maybe totally dry. That video is going to be so cool. Yeah. And if you buy the digital version, when it comes out, she's got a link. You'll be able to just tap the link and play the video. Mm -hmm. okay. I got to go soon because I have another show, but I'll do these two last questions. Anne wants to know what kind of juicer do you have? And Linda wants to know, are, sprouting, are seeds from sprouting and microgreens different from each other? So seeds from sprouting and seeds from microgreens are not different from each other. They're the same. So you can use either seed and like we said, you know, um, get them from a trusted company that is specific for sprouting. In the show notes, truly, truly you're not going to go wrong. They're just the same though. So if you do have seeds that you uh, could use for planting in your garden, those will work really. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't do juicing, so we're not the people to ask. <laughs> we do have a juicer. I bought a juicer. It's about 12 years old and it's a Omega style juicer. It is a uh, horizontal style. So it's a real slow auger, right? So you get a good yield. You could actually um, do like some of the, you know, more um, like kale and, you know, even the pea microgreens, wheatgrass, you could do some of those things through that juicer, but it's an omega juicer. But yeah, like Lissa says, like, man, we maybe, we maybe break that thing out like once a year at most. If that, like I've never used it personally, um, but the person to ask for juicers, John Kohler. John Kohler. And, and I've done several shows with him. So, yeah. 
a lot of people like the Nama J too. Guys, thank you. You know, I could talk to you forever because I love you, but I do a show at two o'clock. So I I got to have lunch, you know. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next month for Feeling Great. Listen, Nate, episode five. And please come back in one hour when Planiful Kiki will be talking about her brand new book. She's going to be talking about calorie density, how to implement it and making a beautiful recipe from her book, which is the cheesy broccoli rice casserole. All right, guys. And I love that. Ken and Barbie of the raw food world. That's what we'll call you from now on. (laughs) All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.